Well, good morning, church. How are you today? Wasn't that an incredible set of worship? The resurrected king is resurrecting me. How awesome is that? Just filled with hope and joy that God is transforming our lives. Hey, I want to welcome you to Emmanuel for your first time guest here with us. Uh, can we give it up for our first time guest? Thank you for coming. Someone invited you because they love you. They want you to experience a little bit of what they're experiencing in this, thing, this whole thing called a relationship with Christ. And I uh, also want to acknowledge those of, us, those of our guests watching online, our regular viewers watching online. Right now, there's a group of college students gathered at Ball State University, and they're gathered around the live stream, and they're watching, want to say hello. Can we say hello to our Ball State microsite campus? Welcome to you guys, led by Andrew Ratton. Appreciate you. Very, very excited to be here with you today. We are actually uh, in a series called Breakthrough right now. What we said a couple weeks ago is that a breakthrough is all about experiencing a new quality of life, a new quality of life in the area of your relationships, your finances, your walk with God, your faith, uh, in the area of your job situation, maybe it's with your health and fitness. It's about getting to the next level of quality in your life. And what we said in this series is that there are four key principles to having a breakthrough. We've already talked about two of those principles, but before we do a little bit of a, re of a review, how many of you are still excited today, halfway through the 21-day fast, halfway through this series, you're still excited, you're still pumped, you're still hopeful to have a breakthrough in your life? Let me see your hands. Oh, yeah. Awesome. See, I kind of want to know who I'm talking to. Who are the hungry ones among us, right? You got to want this stuff, okay? And so let's do a little bit, a quick review on what we said, the first two principles of a breakthrough. Number one, you have to get completely and thoroughly, say it with me, disgusted, all right? Some of you are there, right? Say this with me, enough is enough, ready? Enough is enough. You've got to get to the point in your life where you say, I can't live like this anymore, this relationship, this job situation, something's got to change. And Unless you're thoroughly disgusted, you probably won't have a breakthrough. What we said was, if you're slightly bothered or mildly agitated, 2018 will be the same as 2017, right? You've got to get to the point where you're thoroughly disgusted. Then we talked about last week this idea of limiting beliefs. We said that a limiting belief is any thought that keeps you where you are. It's, it functions like a jail cell. It locks you down. I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not pretty enough. I don't have enough resources. I don't have enough contacts. I don't have a college degree. I don't, I don't, I don't, right? That's a limiting thought. We said if we're going to have a breakthrough, we got to replace those limiting thoughts with liberating, say it with me, truths. Ah, you were here. That's a little bit more excitement. Liberating truths. Like Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free, okay? And so that's what we have to do there. We've got to bust through those limiting thoughts by replacing them with uh, with liberating truth. So to, that leads us to today. Third principle of a breakthrough. Hope, hopefully you grab the handout when you walk it in. If you didn't, we print those for you. That's for you. So grab those. You forget most of what you don't write down. So grab your handout right now. First fill in principle number three. Your breakthrough requires a, say it with me, strategy. Strategy. Years ago, I read a book called Great by Choice by an author named Jim Collins. He wrote a book called uh, good to Great, which is what he was fam became famous for. This is sort of his sequel book. In the book, he it's a business book. He talks about how certain companies have become great by choice. And in the book, he talks about these, right in the beginning, the first couple of chapters, he talks about these two different men. One guy's name was Roald Amundsen. It's hard to say. 
try to say it that way. Another guy's name is uh, Robert Falcon Scott. And in 1911, October of 1911, both of these men decided to have a race to be the first human beings to the South Pole, or at least not native to the South Pole. And so they got these teams together and they set out in the month of October. They left the same month. It was a 1,400 mile trek. Just to give you uh, an idea of how far that is, it's from here to New York City and back. How do I know? I've done that trip dozens of times. It's really long in a car, okay? Let alone on sleds and other, with, okay. So 1,400 miles round trip. They face all kinds of horrible weather, minus 10, minus 20, sometimes minus 30 degrees, all types of terrain, almost impossible terrain, okay? Here's the interesting part of the story and why he tells it. One team made it to the South Pole and back, and the other team did not. What was the difference? In the book, he talks about the difference was their strategy. Amundsen did some studying. He figured out what kind of animals work best in those types of temperatures and those types of terrains, and what he found is a certain type of dog. And so he got a bunch of these dogs to pull all the sleds, and, and it worked out perfectly. Scott, on the other hand, didn't do his homework, so he just decided to pick, a, pick a, an animal that pulled a lot of weight, and he said ponies might do the trick, and so he had a bunch of ponies. The problem with ponies was that when they do a lot of work, they sweat. And in those types of temperatures, the sweat would freeze. So they would sweat and freeze, sweat and freeze, sweat and freeze. Eventually, early on, before they even got to the South Pole, all of his ponies died. They also chose motorized sledges, motorized sleds, which in those types of temperatures, motors break down. So they actually pulled, Scott's team actually pulled all of their equipment, one ton of equipment, all the way to the South Pole with their hands and their feet. Okay? Difference of strategy. On the, on the way back, they had to set up these, these, these basically these depots of supplies, these supply depots. Well, Amundsen decided that he was going to mark his supply depots really well with a mile of flags this way and a mile of flags this way, black flags, so that they would contrast against the white snow. So that they got, if they got a little bit off track or if there was a really bad storm, they could see the depots, which were very important for the trip back because there was food and water and all that type of stuff. So he did that great. The other guy, Scott, he marked his, his uh, depots with one flag, <laughs> setting himself up for disaster if they got a little bit off course or if there was really bad weather. Amundsen's team, they brought three tons of supplies for five men pulled by dogs. Scott brought one ton of supplies for 17 men. Interesting difference of strategy, right? But here is the big kicker. Amundsen's team decided that they were going to go 15 miles every single day, whether it was horrible weather or whether it was great weather. 15 miles every single day. Scott's team decided that they were going to travel as far as they could on days that were like 20 degrees and sunny. And then on the really bad days, they weren't going to move at all. Totally different strategies. Scott's team on the way back, they actually made it to the South Pole one month after Amundsen's team. Okay, they left at the same time. They made it there, but on the way back, all 17 men froze to death. You say, same weather, same circumstances, same terrain. What was the difference? The difference was strategy. How important is strategy? Very or little? Would you say strategy is extremely important in the, in when you're trying to achieve a goal? Absolutely. What is a strategy? What are we really talking about when we say strategy? What is, it, what, it, what is it really? In your notes there, if you're taking notes, watch this. A strategy is a plan of action designed to accomplish a specific objective. That's all it is. 
It's a plan of action designed to accomplish a specific aim or specific goal or specific objective. So in your situation, you're trying to have a breakthrough. You're trying to put together a strategy that's going to help you improve your marriage, a strategy that's going to help you get your finances in order, a strategy that's going to help you get in physical shape and lose the weight or whatever, a strategy that's going to help you find a better job that fits your giftings or your talents or your skills or whatever, right? That's what a strategy is. Any, any type of achievement, significant achievement in our world, or even a smaller achievement, every time you look at those things, what's behind those achievements is always a strategy. Doesn't matter if it's business, doesn't matter if it's sports, right? Sports teams always have a strategy for how to win. Doesn't matter if it's chess, okay? Doesn't matter if it's, you try to, you're trying to overcome fear, there's a strategy to that. If you're trying to overcome depression, there's a strategy to that. There's always a strategy behind achievement. In the, in the story of Nehemiah, that's kind of the story we've been following in this series. Nehemiah had a very powerful, clear strategy. You want to hear what it is? Everybody jump in and build a piece of the wall. They built a wall around Jerusalem in 52 days. You know what his strategy was? You do this part of the wall, you do this part of the wall, you do this part of the wall, you do this part of the wall. Look at Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 28. Each one repaired the section immediately across from his house. Everybody got involved. Many hands make light work, right? This was the strategy. And then when they got threatened and attacked by, the, by their enemies who were trying to stop them from building the wall, they just kind of tweaked their strategy a little bit. Chapter 4, verse 16. And it says this, but from then on, after they were being threatened, only half the men worked while the other half stood guard with spears, uh, spears, shields, bows, and coats of armor or coats of mail. Very, very simple strategy. Now, I'm willing to acknowledge today that what I just said to you for the last five minutes is not very deep. Like none of you are like, oh my gosh, we need a strategy. That's my problem. The reason I haven't had a breakthrough is because I haven't had a strategy. Like, no, one, I, no one's sitting out here, you just cleared it up for me, Danny. I'm so glad I came to church today. Like, I understand that this is not very deep and not, not, not very, you know, you, know, you know, insightful. See, the, the real problem is, is not that we don't have a strategy, is it? There are strategies everywhere. They, like, strategies are abundant. Have you noticed this? They're ev everywhere you look. Like within five seconds this week, I was just practicing. Like I typed in, I Googled how to overcome fear. I just Googled it. You could do it. Less than five seconds, I had like five blog posts, three YouTube videos, articles, seven steps to overcome fear, three, three steps. It's just like within seconds today, you and I can have strategies in our hand. They may not be good ones, but they're strategies, right? You go to YouTube, you can find a strategy for almost anything. Listen, the average American today, or 70% of Americans today are overweight and out of shape. Is it, is it, is it a strategy problem? Right? You gotta put your head in the sand to avoid strategies on how to get in shape and lose weight in this country, right? I know there's people watching in other countries, and I'm not sure how it is in your country, but there are strategies everywhere in this country on how to lose weight and get in shape. In fact, you can hardly drive down a road, at least in our neck of the woods here, without passing three or four gyms, right? CrossFit here, LA Fitness here, Anytime Fitness here. Like, they're everywhere, and they're popping up more and more. Like, the problem is not resources. The problem is not a strategy. What are, you say, Danny, what are you saying? Here's what I'm saying. Strategies is, is very important, especially if you're trying to get to the South Pole. Do you agree it's very important, right? You got a bad strategy, you're gonna die. So I'm not saying that strategy is important. What I am saying is that 
It's not as important as disgust and belief. You say, well, you've already said that. I know, I gotta say it again. Because <laughs> we need to hear this over. Like, if you don't get to the point where it's like, enough is enough. If you're slightly bothered or mildly agitated, you will not have a breakthrough. You've gotta get to the point where you're thoroughly disgusted with current reality and you actually believe it's possible to change. And unless those two things happen, the best strategy won't help you. In fact, I'll say it this way. The best strategies for you to have a breakthrough are worthless unless you're thoroughly disgusted and you believe in your heart that things can change. Now, here's what I'm going to do. Because I have to sort of do this as the preacher. I'm going to pretend, I'm going to assume that all of you are like, I am thoroughly disgusted and I do believe it's possible to change, right? Like I have to say that in my head because if I don't say that in my head, then the rest of what I'm gonna say today is like gonna fall on deaf ears, right? Because uh, it doesn't matter if you're not thoroughly disgusted and if you don't truly believe. It's absolutely true that when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Do you agree with this? Like you've got to be ready to hear what I'm about to say. And if you are ready to hear, it's gonna actually help you. So let me move on assuming that everybody's ready. Are you ready? Are you hungry? Are you thoroughly disgusted? Do you believe it's possible to change? Just, just humor me. Just humor me. Go ahead. Yeah, let's go. Okay. Now, now, here, here we go. Here, here's what I have to do. I have to let you down gently really quick. I got to disappoint you. I got to disappoint you first and I'll pick you back up. Here's how I'm going to disappoint you. I personally cannot give you a strategy for your breakthrough today. I wish I could. Like if it was me and you at Starbucks, which wouldn't be possible because I still have seven days left to my coffee fast. So we'd meet somewhere else. But let's just say it's me and you somewhere else, right? If it were me and you, I could give you a tailored strategy or I could try to give you a tailored strategy for, for you. But I can't do that for, for 5,000 people or whatever. But here's what I can do. I can give you four key ingredients that your strategy must have. As you put together your own strategy, it must have these four elements to it. And if it doesn't, your strategy is probably not going to work, Okay. So let me give those four things to you really quick. Your strategy, number one, your strategy must be simple. It's got to be simple. This is, we overlook this. We, we overanalyze stuff. We overcomplicate stuff. It's got to be simple if you're going to forgive somebody, if you're going to get over the fear, if you're going to have the physical health breakthrough, if you're going to have a job situation breakthrough. It's got to be simple. Anthony Robbins said this. He said, complexity is the enemy of execution. It's absolutely true. I had a friend of mine share with me the other day her, her plan. It was on her phone on how to lose weight and get in shape. You know how many steps it had? 47 steps. <laughs> There's not a chance in the world any one of us are going to follow 47 steps on how to lose weight and get in shape. Do you agree? Yes or no? right? It's got to be simple. This, this is why, this is why the, the Weight Watchers deal works for millions and millions of people, because it's simple. It's like chicken, this many points. Steak, this many points. Potatoes, this many points. Broccoli, this many points. Okay, you want to lose weight? You can only have this many points. So you go through the day, and you count up your points, and if you're lower than your, than your number, you lose weight, and if you're higher than your number, you gain weight. S does that sound simple to anybody? It's so simple that it works. What do I mean by simple? In your notes there, watch this. Simple means there are specific action steps that I can do this, step one, step two, step three, step four. I mean, that's what we're doing in this series. Get disgusted, blow up limiting beliefs, put a strategy together. Next week, we're gonna finish it with the fourth step. 
There's got to be, this is why Dave Ramsey's deal is so successful. How many of you guys know who Dave Ramsey is? Guys on, on radio, right? How many of you have taken Financial Peace University, you've heard of it, right? There's not a church in America that hasn't heard of Dave Ramsey, promoted Dave Ramsey, hosted Financial Peace University. Why is his system so successful? I'll tell you why. Seven baby steps. Have you heard of them, right? Number one, save $1,000. Number two, pay off debt using the debt snowball. Number three, save three to six months expenses in your account for a rainy day. Number four, save 15 percent into your IRAs and your investment accounts. Number five, fully fund your kids' college funds. Number six, pay off your house early. Number seven, build wealth and give like crazy. Build wealth and give like crazy. He said, how did you just rattle those off? Because they're simple and they're baby steps and anybody can do them, right? When, what I mean by simple is that there are specific steps that you can take. I'm telling you, whatever strategy you come up with, it's got to have simple steps that you can follow. This is, this is the reason why Alcoholics Anonymous and other organizations like it have worked. There's 12 steps that you follow. You just follow those every day and you do them over and over and over. Years ago, I read a book called the Divine, Your Divine Mentor by Wayne Cordero. He's got a, he's got a church out in Hawaii. Uh, sometimes I get jealous of, of him and want to go plant an Emmanuel site in Hawaii. Maybe one day we will. Maybe one day. We'll partner up with Wayne, not sure. But his book was fantastic, The Divine Mentor. See, early on in my Christian life, I was very inconsistent with my devotional life. And what I mean by devotional life is that time that you set apart in the the beginning of the day where you pray and you read the scriptures and and you just spend time with Jesus, right? I, I would go three days and miss two days. I would go five days and miss four days. I was inconsistent. Anybody else relate? Then I found Wayne Cordero's book and I found his simple system on how to spend time with God. You know what it sounds like? It sounds like this, SOAP, S-O-A-P, S-O-A-P. He says you go to your place in the morning with Jesus and you read the scriptures. That's what the S stands for. And as you're reading the scriptures, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, you're asking the Holy Spirit to reveal one thing to you because you can't remember two, you can't remember five, you can't remember 10, okay? It's not a Bible study. It's just one thought. Jesus, give me one thought for the day I can take with me. I can do that. So I write the scripture down that he gives me. The O is observation. You're basically acting as an investigator. You're saying, Jesus, what are you saying here? Who are you talking to? What's the principle? What's the truth? Like, what's going on? And then you write that down. The A is application. Jesus, what do you want me to do about what you just revealed to me? Oh, do you want me to go forgive that person? Do you want me to humble myself? Do you want me to serve a little bit more? Do you want me to keep my mouth shut? Do you want me to use me encouraging words? Like, what am I supposed to do in light of the truth you just showed me, right? That's the A. And then the P is the prayer. Oh, Jesus, help me right? Which is always a good prayer. Help me to apply what you just taught me. And then I go on and pray for other things as needed in my life. S-O-A-P. Simple yes or no? I've done it for like 15 years. It's changed my life. It's built consistency in my walk with Jesus. Your strategy must be simple. Here's why. Simple is, say it with me, doable. Come on, a little bit more passion. Simple is doable. Come on, one more time. Simple is doable. Don't overcomplicate this thing. Don't overanalyze this thing. Find a strategy and a simple strategy and work at number two. Number two, your strategy must include the right people. Listen, you're not John Wayne, okay? And those of you who don't know John Wayne, he was an old cowboy, tried to do everything by himself. There are no such thing as lone rangers in this deal. You were created to receive help from other people. You were created to give help to other people to succeed in this life. Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse nine says, two people are better than one. Why? Why? There's a reason. Because they can help each other succeed. You are not designed to have a breakthrough by yourself. 
You're not designed to overcome the addiction. You're not designed to, designed to overcome the bitterness or work through the depression by yourself. You need help. Some of you are so prideful. Listen, me, me included, me included. We are so prideful. We want to do it on our own. Oh, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We're Americans, right? I don't need any help. You cannot do it by yourself. Henry Cloud, Christian author and psychologist, he said this. Research has shown that if you're in a community that is getting healthy and overcoming something difficult, your chances of success go way up. Why? Why? Positive energy is contagious. It rubs off. You got to get yourself around the right people. This is why we're always talking about small groups in this church. Get in a group, get in a group, get in a group, sign up for a group. Why? Because of this principle right here. You go further, faster when other people are involved in your life. Do you agree? Yes or no? Here's three reasons why in your, in your notes there's three blanks, three fill-ins. There's learning that goes on. You get insight. You, get, you, get, you find resources. You get, key, you get key insights from other people that you are missing, right? There's learning that takes place. Best practices, you learn that from other people. Number two, there's encouragement. Every single one of us needs someone to come alongside of us and say, and look us in the eye and say, hey, hang in there. You can do it. That thing that you're trying to accomplish, yes, I'm on your side. Let's make it happen. Ever, like, is there anybody in the room today that, that doesn't need that, right? I love what, what Truett Cathy said, the founder of Chick-fil-A. He said, how do you know if someone needs encouragement? I love his answer. If they're breathing, <laughs> okay? Everybody needs someone to come alongside and say, come on, keep going, stay at it. And then the third one is accountability, Accountability. Listen, I've learned this about myself. I hope you've learned this about yourself too. You can talk yourself into anything and you can talk yourself out of anything. Have you noticed? Like stupid stuff, dumb stuff. Like, like this is the reason why you have goofed up so bad in your life because you talked yourself into dating him. You talked yourself into dating her. You talked yourself into getting on that website. You talked, to, like, like we're crazy. Like seriously, every single one of us, myself included, we can talk ourselves into anything and out of anything. Have you noticed that you can talk yourself eat, out, into eating like the extra two slices on the pizza? <laughs> I've done that countless times. Well, I'm, I'm full, but look. I mean, they're going to go to waste. You paid for that. It's good money. It's God's money, right? Somebody's got to eat it. You're going to exercise tomorrow. Go ahead and take the extra 650 calories. I mean, you can talk yourself into anything. You can talk yourself out. Listen, we need people to get in our face and say, hey, knucklehead. Hey, hey, time out. You said you were going to do this. You said you weren't going to do this. And if you're all by yourself, you don't have anybody account holding you accountable. You are not designed to have a breakthrough on yourself, you, by yourself. You were designed to live in community. Number two, you've got to have the right people, people who are on your side, people who are pulling for you, people who want your best, not people that are going to get jealous of you and look down on you and judge you, and, and it, you know, people that, 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 that want what is best for you. Number three, your strategy has to be trackable. It's got to be trackable. Your strategy has to be measurable. I heard Tom Peters say this one time. He's like a... Like a business guru, he said, what gets measured gets done. Why is that true? Because I believe that every single one of us comes alive when we see progress. Don't you? Like when I see things getting better, I'm like, oh, it's getting better. Oh, it's like it's growing. My kids are getting better. The church is getting better. Like, like, like I can jump a little higher. That doesn't happen much these days. But but I love to see progress. It makes us come, it's human to come alive when you see progress. And if our strategy is not producing results, we get discouraged. Like, man, this isn't working. 
Like we're doing the counseling like the pastor said to do, and it's not, the marriage didn't get better. And then we get discouraged, and then what do we do? We give up on the strategy. Like I've tried to do this whole low-fat, low-carb thing. It doesn't work, you know, whatever. And you give it up, you go back. Like we have to see progress if if we're going to continue on. Write this down in your notes. I don't have it in there, but here's what's true. Progress fuels momentum. It's absolutely true in my life. It's true in your life. Progress fuels momentum. Well, how are you going to know if you're making progress? You've got to track these. You've got to track it. You've got to measure it. You know who's figured this out? The video game designers. They, they have, which is why men and women are addicted to video games, okay? Young, old, middle-aged, 40s, right? Because when you play a video game, what happens is you're not just in a battle, you're not just in a game. Yes, there's battles, yes, there's games, but when you, when you succeed or when you win, what do you get? You get a badge, you get some money, you get some points, and then you see it start to accumulate, and you're like, oh, I made progress, Right? The other day I was talking to my, one of my sons and he was down in the basement playing video games. I don't know what game it was. I said, hey, bud, you got to come up. Dinner's ready. And he's like, no, I can't stop now because he was playing live online with some other people. And, he's, and I'm like, no, dude, you have to stop because dinner's ready. You know, come get up. Let's go. Let's go. You know, turn, I don't like video games anyway. So I'm like, turn it off. It's no big thing. And he's like, dad, I can't. If I, if I get off now, it won't get saved and I won't get my points to buy the bigger gun or to buy the new guy or unlock a player. Like, I don't care, get up here, you know? It's like, doesn't matter. But for him, it was like, it was like, no, I can't quit. I'm gonna lose my progress. See, video game people have figured this thing out. You know who else has figured out progress and how we love to see progress? All the app people, I don't even know what they're called. The app creators, they do, they have. Think about your Starbucks app, right? Why can't you just go get a cup of coffee? No, no, you gotta get a cup of coffee and then you gotta get points. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, I got, I got two points, three points, I got 50 points. If I get another 50 points, I'm gonna get a, a free drink. <laughs> in fact, in fact, I got 120 points waiting on me right now. I got a free drink I can't use right now. <laughs> Seven days. You will know where I'm gonna be on Monday morning. So you swipe that thing and you get the points and then you get the free, and you see progress, right? Alcoholics Anonymous, what do they give you after six months of sobriety? They give you a green coin, progress. After nine months of sobriety, they give you a purple coin. Nine months, you get a purple coin. Why? Progress fuels momentum. Does that make sense? You've got to track. How do you track it? This is difficult. For some of you, you're doing a health and fitness thing, so it's sort of easy to kind of, you know, track it. You get on the scale, you count calories or whatever, you know. But how do you track, I don't know, getting rid of bitterness? How do you track, uh, you know, oh, I got to improve the marriage? How do you track that? How do you track your progress? It's a little bit more difficult to track some breakthroughs than others. Let me give you two ideas. Number one, you got to take time to review the day. It's amazing to me how many people just simply don't take time to review their day. I'm a huge proponent of the passion planner or a planner like this. And what I like to do is write everything down. I even write down the church services, even though they happen at the same time. (laughs) I write them down. My whole week, I can see it at at a glance. I write everything down so I can see it. What did I do? What didn't I do? And then I take time to look at this thing and say, how did I do in the areas that I'm pushing forward on? How did I do in my time with God? How did I do in my time with people? How did I do in my, with my relationship with my kids and my wife? Like, is it on there? Did I do it? Track it. What gets measured gets done. You with me? Yes or no? 
right? And then number two, look at the numbers. Look at the numbers. Here's why. Numbers don't lie. <laughs> How many calories did you actually take in today? How many dollars did you actually save today or spend today, right? How many cigarettes did you actually smoke today? Is it getting lower? If, if you're starting to have a breakthrough with cigarettes, did, did it go from 10 to 2 or 15 to 5? Count the cigarettes. Some of you are trying to overcome using the F word. It's a big deal today. Everybody loves to use the F word. Not sure why. It's a terrible word. Terrible word. Has all kinds of horrible, terrible, ungodly meanings, right? Represents everything that's just wrong in this world, right? How many times did you, count how many times you used it today? Like what gets measured gets done. Well, I only cussed four times today. I only dropped the F-bomb three times today, right? Count those suckers until they're gone, right? You got to look at the numbers, right? How, ma- how many calories came in? How many dollars got spent? How many, if you look at the numbers, what, I'm telling you what gets measured gets done. You got to track these babies, Let me give you the last one. Let me give you the last one. Your strategy must include faith. Up to this point, I've talked about what you can do, what you can do. It's got to be simple. You got to get the right people. You got to look at the numbers. You got to track progress. I am not proposing a self-help program here, okay, folks? There's a huge element of faith here. I am telling you to take action, but I am not telling you to depend on yourself. And that is a difficult tension to try to strike. But it's, 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 perf- it's seen in the scriptures perfectly. It's illustrated in the scriptures perfectly, right? But one, one, of the, one of the best ones is when God said to the Israelites, I want you to walk around the city of Jericho seven times. And then on the seventh day and the seventh time you go, I want you to blow the trumpet. And so they obeyed him and they took action and they did it. And when they did it, the walls of Jericho fell down. Like God intervened miraculously and tore the walls down. In the book of Nehemiah, what was going on is they were building this wall and they're trying to get it done as fast as possible. And Nehemiah notices that that the men that were building this wall, this part of the wall, and the men that were building, and the women that were building this part of the wall, they were spread out. He said, that's trouble. Like we're easy prey for the enemy because we're so spread out. So look what he says. Then I explained to the nobles and the officials and all the people, the work is very spread out and we are widely separated. We're widely separated from each other along the wall. When you hear, listen to this, when you hear the blast of the trumpet, here's what I want you to do. Rush to wherever the sound of the trumpet is. Now, if I were writing this, maybe if you were writing this, the next sentence might sound like this. And fight to the death. Swing your swords and defend your nation and defend your temple and defend your country. But Nehemiah doesn't say that, does he? He says, run to the sound of the trumpet and watch what's going to happen. Then our, say it with me, our, our God. Then our God is going to fight for us. Now, don't think for a second what that meant was everybody runs to this location and keeps their sword in their sheath and says, okay, God, we're here. Smite them. <laughs> you know, that's not what, that's not what, what he meant. What he meant was, you take out your sword, and you start fighting, and as we are fighting, as we are pushing, as we are taking action, God is going to assist us in the battle. 
And I'm telling you, that's, that's my life. That's your life. God, I'm going to take action. I'm going to find the right people. I'm going to measure my progress. I'm going to make a simple plan. I'm going to get help from others. But as I fight, as I push to improve this marriage, as I push to have a financial breakthrough, as I push to have a breakthrough in my health and fitness, as I push to have a breakthrough in my relationship with you, I'm going to trust you for the result. Folks, that's the balance. That's the tension where you and I must live. Does that make sense? What have I said today? Here's what I've said. It's very simple. Your breakthrough requires a strategy. It's not the most important thing, right? Being completely disgusted and believing it's possible come first. But a strategy is right behind those two. Your strategy must be simple. It has to have help. There's got to be the right people in your life. You have to track your progress. And you have to trust God. Something tells me that you put a strategy together like that, you are going to have a breakthrough. Like your 2018 will be different than 2017. Let me ask you this question. What's your strategy look like? That's, for, that's your homework. I want you to leave here, whether you're watching online or you're present. I want you to go home and put together a strategy for your breakthrough that incorporates simplicity. It incorporates people. It, it has a tracking part to it where, where it's measurable and there's a whole element of faith to it. Are you going to do that? You got to go home and you got to do your homework and you got to put this thing together and then you got to work it. And if you do, if you do, oh, what happens if you do? You just might have a breakthrough. Their marriage just might get better. You might start feeling better in your health and fitness. You might actually find a different job. Your finances might actually become, you know, be put back in order. You just might have a breakthrough. I'm gonna tell you, you get five, 10,000 people together all having breakthroughs and all their, and, and that'll change an entire community, folks. That'll, that'll change, that could change an entire world. If every single person is making progress towards the things that God wants them to make progress in, that'll transform a community. That is what we are pushing for. Now, let me say this really quick. God has a strategy for this world. It might not seem that way, but he's got a strategy. Okay, he's not baffled by all of the things that are going on today. He's not confused. He's not backpedaling. He's not caught off guard. He's got a strategy for this world. See, you and I came into this world separated from God. Because of what Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden, they, they disobeyed God, they became sinful and passed that sinful nature on down from generation to generation to generation to me and to you. The Bible tells us that sin separates us from God. God and sin don't mix like oil and water. They just don't go together. But see, here's the, here's the interesting part. You and I were created to be in a relationship with God, with an intimate, vibrant, an intimate, vibrant relationship with God. But sin makes that impossible. So God came up with a strategy. You know what he did? He just sent his son. Listen, John 3, 16. Here's the strategy laid out right for us. Jesus, from Jesus' mouth. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes, not mental assent, but internal trust, Everyone who puts their confidence and trust in Jesus, in him, will not perish, will not spend eternity apart from God, languishing, right? But rather have eternal life. That's God's strategy. Here's my question to you today. It's a very simple question. Have you taken advantage of God's strategy? 
to bring you eternal life, to bring you a life filled with joy and peace and forgiveness of sins. The quality of life that you were designed to live from the beginning of time. Have you taken advantage of that strategy? If you haven't, now's your opportunity. You can step in today very simply and put your confidence, put your belief, put your trust in Jesus today. He died on the cross for you. Three days later, the the grave was robbed as we just got done singing a little bit ago. He rose from the grave to make a way for you to have eternal life and abundant life. Will you receive that gift today by faith? I'm gonna say a simple prayer. You can take these words, make them your own, put your trust in Christ today and become a Christ follower. Would you pray with me? Just tell Jesus this right now in the quietness of your heart. Words backed by faith. Jesus, today I come. I put my trust in you. I believe you died for me on the cross and you rose again the third day to give me eternal life and abundant life. Wash me of my sin Remove the guilt, the shame, the penalty. Make me your child today. In the best way I know how, with what little faith I have, I trust you. Make me your child. It's in Christ's name I pray, amen. Church, can we give God glory today for what he's doing? Come on, church, raise it up. There are people here today that just put their trust in Christ. Give God glory for that. Hey, church, what we want to do right now is we want to sing. We want to praise God. So I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet right now. I want, to, I want you just to worship God today. Worship this God who provided a strategy for us to have eternal life and abundant life. And when we're done worshiping, here's the deal. Here's the deal. When we're done worshiping, Pastor Matt's going to come up here. He's got a few important things to close out with. So will you worship with us? Can we give God glory today? Sing, sing to the top of your lungs, church.
Listen, you can stand with me. You can stay standing for just a second with me. Hang with me. Some of us in this room have taken a bold step today and our heart may have sang out to Jesus for the very first time. And we just want you to know that if if you made that kind of decision today, that that we have a strategy we can give you on that one. We would love for you to, to take a step back to our starting point tables. They're in the back corners of our auditorium. If you're in the lobby and I'm talking to you, you can pop in on your way out today. If you're If you're watching online, you can very easily let us know that you made a decision for Jesus today. But the reason that we do that, the reason that we ask you to take a couple steps in this strategy is because we wanna put a one-year New Testament in your hands. It's a gift from us to you because Jesus has a lot to say about how to live this life with faith and encouragement and firing us up as we face the challenges of this life. So please, if you made a decision today, take a bold step and see our folks at the back corners. And and now listen, maybe, Maybe you're still wrestling. Maybe you're still struggling and have questions about this thing called Jesus, this thing called faith. I want you to know that that's okay. I would love for you also take that step. Go see our folks at the starting point tables because they're gonna tell you about our environment called starting point. It's a four week environment, it's conversational. We're gonna kick one off in February and it's tailor made for you. So I hope that you'll do that. Now Greenwood Campus, it's a little special for you. Uh, There's no doubt we got plenty of room online for people to watch, but if you're in the Greenwood crowd today, if you look to your left and look to your right, I want you to notice there's probably not more than two seats available. This 1115 service and our Sunday services continue to grow. God continues to do amazing things. Guess what's happening? You're inviting your friends. They're showing up. You're inviting the family. You're inviting your coworkers that have written off church as boring, irrelevant, and have no place in their lives. They're showing up. How many of you have done that? Let me hear you a little bit. Some of us come back after being away a little, a little bit. We're changing some things up to make this easier for you. So I, I, need, I need your help here. I want you to say the number four. If I say four, you say four. So I said four, six, nine, 11. Your friend comes to you and they say, hey man, how do I get to heaven? Your answer is four, six, nine, 11. That's not really true, but. But listen, we're gonna open up a brand new service on Saturday at four o'clock. We're also changing our service time so it's easier for you to invite your friends and family in your life. It's easy to invite somebody to an 11 or a nine or a six or a four. Now listen, 11 15ers, I'm gonna challenge you right now as we continue to grow and we're putting seats out in the lobby to make sure that as God brings people in our doors that we can receive them warmly and receive them well. I wanna challenge you the same way that I was challenged years ago. When we first opened up a Saturday night service, I felt a little bit obligated. I said, okay, I'll try it out. It changed my world. You parents out there, you got young kiddos, guess what? What if I gave you a Sunday morning without having to wrestle with those kids? Okay, okay, okay. You can come, you can love here at 1115, but do me a favor, let's try a Saturday night service. Anybody willing to try a Saturday night service at least one time? 
February 3rd and 4th, we're kicking those off. 4, 6, 9, and 11. We've got some awesome stuff from Danny. He's getting a little help from his wife, Jackie, on uh, this coming February. It's going to be incredible stuff that you're going to want to invite people to. So let's try a Saturday. Let's make some space for God to keep filling this place up. Sound good? Sound good? You with me? All right. Let's pray and we'll head out of this place. God, we come to you so grateful to be, uh, to be challenged. I thank you for the message that you have brought through Danny to challenge us that in the area of our life where you have shown us a breakthrough is possible. Help us to continue to feel that disgust, to, to look to you and know that we can make the change, but also to put a strategy in place that can succeed. And so I just ask that you remove all the barriers this week in which we can see some light and some growth in our lives and that we can put this stuff into practice. We love you and it's in Jesus' precious name that we continue to pray, amen. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Bring those friends.